0: sought after for their success, and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor.
1: Welcome. Thank you for joining us. I am Tom Laurie, and your host for today's show. Our guest today is a millennial, (laughs) Megan Metcalf, a stage three cancer survivor who just reached her 10-year Make-A-Wish anniversary. She has wisdom beyond her years. She's an experienced sales professional and has worked for several sports-related companies, including Fox Sports and IMG, the renowned international management group that represents sports figures like Tiger Woods, Roger Federer, and many more. She is a 2013 graduate from Miami University of Ohio with a degree in marketing and sports studies. Today, she is a development professional with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Megan's life was turned upside down in her junior year in high school when she was diagnosed with stage 3 lymphoma. She is a cancer survivor, and as I said, she just reached her 10-year Make-A-Wish anniversary. Megan, welcome to the Mentors.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Let's start with that fateful year in high school, just before you were diagnosed with lymphoma. Yep. What was going on? It was your junior year, as I remember.
2: Correct. Yeah. So I was I was uh, diagnosed in the second semester of my junior year, but uh, leading up to that, I was your Every day, you know, Midwest high school student, um, most of my school years, I was a band geek. Um, so I play, I was on the drum line. I played percussion from fifth grade on. I actually quit my sophomore year, um, and I had this really cool idea to go from being a band geek to a cheerleader, or at least I thought it was a cool idea back then. <laughs> so I approached the uh, cheer coach. I asked her, you know, what it would take to kind of get me to join the squad, and she suggested a gym. I started working to pursue that. Um, but otherwise, I mean, I was involved in honor society all the typical high school activities and you know that you would expect a 17 year old to be to dances be involved in yeah. football games yeah i dabbled and in a yep that. yep oh i was always front row with the of the student section at the, at every every game that's actually part of the reason i quit band so i could be in the student section <laughs> and cheer um, and so i loved that but yeah i was uh, that was definitely sophomore year kind of going into junior year i think was probably one of the the best years of of high school
1: and high school was back in Cincinnati. Sorry. Correct.
2: Name? Yeah, Hamilton, Ohio, about thirty minutes north of Cincinnati. Okay.
1: Yeah. And your mom and dad. Uh, I've. Never, you have any siblings? Nope, I'm an only child. Only child. Yep. <laughs> so you're rolling along. You're going through, having a great time, enjoying high school. You're in the mm-hmm. Midwest. Mm-hmm. Uh, all those great Midwestern values and everything, doing great things. Then what happened?
2: So as I mentioned, I was kind of working on, um, you know going on to trial for cheerleading and that definitely stopped uh one day i was it was january i believe of 20 2008 um kind of just went to go pull my hair back you know nothing crazy and i felt a lump in my neck and i was with my high school boyfriend i thought i was cool. I was dating he was actually in college at this point um and we were all sitting on the couch and i said to him what if this is cancer and he said no you're crazy it's not cancer don't don't be silly that's not what it is um I went to my family doctor. He said, you know, it's probably just a swollen lymph node. And that's, you know, that I, I believed him. That made sense. I was a healthy, otherwise healthy 17-year-old. I was having no other issues. Um, and so he gave me some antibiotics, sent me on my way. About three weeks later, I called them back and said, hey, I know you said it was going to take a month for this to go down, but it, it feels like it's gotten bigger, actually. Uh, what should I do? And then he referred me to an ear, nose, and throat doctor who pretty much immediately knew, knew what it was.
1: And uh, for people in the audience that don't know, you were diagnosed Mm -hmm. with stage Yes. Lymphoma. Yes. And I think it was B cell. Yeah,
2: diffuse explain. large B cell, tell, non-Hodgkin's.
1: Tell, <laughs> explain to everybody what all that. Well, lymphoma is a uh, it's a blood cancer. Correct.
2: Yeah. So there's so you have blood cancer, and the two kind of there's two or three main types of blood cancer. There's Hodgkin's lymphoma, there's non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and then there's myeloma. Uh, those are kind of the three big umbrellas. But then it goes even below that into so many different subtypes. There's, if I'm correct, I believe there's over a hundred types of just blood cancer. Um, so I specifically had diffuse large B cell, not Hodgkin's lymphoma.
1: And stage three yes. meant when you heard that, yeah. what yeah. did that, what did that mean to you?
2: You know, it's funny at the time, it didn't mean much to me because I, and I'm thankful for that, uh, because I was, I was a teenager. I didn't really know, I did I, I didn't take it as seriously. Um, I didn't know the severity of what I was getting into, which I kind of am, am thankful for because it allowed me to go into the whole experience with a really positive carefree attitude. Um, but stage three is a big deal. Um, it meant that I, for me specifically, I had a two to three centimeter mass in my neck. I had a seven centimeter mass in my chest and then I had lesions in my pancreas. Um, so it, it had spread and it's, it's amazing that I felt okay otherwise. My doctors, especially with that 7 centimeter mass in my chest, my doctors absolutely could not believe that I was not having trouble breathing or, or anything like that. Actually, the night before I went to the hospital where I ended up being treated, I finally got my back handspring um, that I was working on to try out, to be able to try out for cheerleading. And when I went to the hospital the next day and they, and I told them that they, I think they wanted to shake me and they're like, they're like, you, you're, you're not doing that again. You're, uh, you are not doing any more tumbling or back handsprings. Cause that seven centimeter mass in your chest is nothing to mess around with.
1: And, um, what were your first thoughts when you heard about this uh, in terms of life, high school, mm-hmm. where this was going to go?
2: Yeah. People people often talk about the, you know, the the moment that they hear, you have cancer. Um, and for me, I thankfully actually never heard those words. The doctor kind of just said, oh, the results showed lymphoma. And even though at that point I knew that lymphoma was cancer, I still don't think I got it. I actually, after I received the diagnosis, um, the night before I went to the hospital that I was treated, I went up to my uh, ear, nose and throat doctor and I said, hey, can I go to tumbling tonight? Can I go to practice? And he's like, yeah, sure. I still didn't. I still didn't get it. Um, but then, you know, kind of once I got, once I, once it sunk in, the, the thing that I always tell people that made me cry and that made me realize what I was getting myself into was that next day at Cincinnati Children's when they told me, "You're going to have to stop tumbling. You're going to have to. You're not going to be able to go to school anymore. You're not going to make it for the first day of your senior year. You're going to lose your hair. Your life as you know it is going to change." That is when it sunk in, that's when I cried for the first time. I didn't cry when I was told I had cancer, I was cried when I was told that I wasn't gonna be able to do all the things that I wanted to do. Um, But thankfully I was there for the first day of my senior year and I proved them wrong on a lot of those things, but they they were right on a lot of it and, and my life did change.
1: And how long was the treatment?
2: Seven months. Yeah.
1: And what was the treatment involved? What was involved? Thankfully,
2: I just really did chemotherapy. I was lucky that I didn't have to do radiation. I didn't have to do a bone marrow transplant um, because I have heard nothing but bad things about about those. They're very helpful, but I've heard they are just awful to go through. Chemo is not a walk in the park either, but thankfully I I did uh, four rounds of chemotherapy, four intense rounds at the beginning, four maintenance rounds, um, seven total months with some other surgeries and things of that here and there in, in, in between.
1: Well, when we return, we're going to continue with Megan's story, her battle with cancer, her support network, and how she dealt with fear.
3: Hello, I'm Mike Mindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat, I would flip-flop all night long, I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you can move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My Pillow will get you into that deep sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed, it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow and I give you a 60-day money back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. My Pillow is now offering 50% off their 4-pack special plus free shipping. Go to mypillow.com or call 1-800-890-6632. and use promo code mentors that's 50 percent off plus free shipping don't delay order now
4: in classrooms across america students are not learning the same history you did last year mcgraw hill apologized for calling slave trade immigration and a popular world history textbook devotes a full chapter to islam and muhammad but only a few sentences to christianity and christ Recent federal testing shows students are far worse in knowledge of U.S. history than in math. Only 12% of high school students are proficient in U.S. history. Today's history textbooks not only fail to engage, they favor political correctness over true history. This is a serious problem that has a far-reaching impact on our culture and our future. What are your kids and grandkids learning? At CatholicTextbookProject.com, you'll find fresh, accurate, engaging history textbooks. Used in Catholic schools in more than 60 dioceses, these textbooks are highly praised by all, even award-winning secular university professors. Go to CatholicTextbookProject.com to find out why.
0: And now... Back to the Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your
1: thinking about life and business. If you just tuned in, this is Tom Laurie, and today we are talking to Megan Metcalf, a millennial who is sharing lessons learned about life and career after facing a life-threatening cancer in her junior year in high school. So, Megan, we kind of talked, not kind of, we talked a little bit about when you first found out about this. What... Uh, during that nine-month period that you were being treated, how how often were you in the hospital?
2: Thankfully, it was off and on. I wasn't ever in the hospital for months on end, um, as some, some people who go through blood cancer are, especially if you have a bone marrow transplant. Um, the longest I think I ever stayed at one period uh, was maybe two and a half, three weeks. Um, it was kind of off and on. I was admitted for my, very, my first four rounds of chemo for either a week or two weeks. Um, I would go home for a few days, um, but inevitably I would get an infection because chemo kills kills off all your, your immune system. So I would have would get an infection, have to go back in, stay for a few days, go home. So it was a lot of kind of back and forth. Um, I think if you add up all the time that I did stay in the hospital, it's probably three or four months total. Um, but thankfully it was off and on and there were some breaks in between where I was able to go home and see my dog and see my cats and sleep in my own bed and all the things that you kind of take for granted.
1: And how did your um, family cope with all of this, your mom and dad?
2: Yeah, that's, that's something that I – I have never really started to realize until actually the past few years um, is what my parents must have gone through uh, when I was going through treatment. I think as a, I'm an only child, so I'm guilty of thinking of my, of only myself at times. Um, but going through that experience, I was largely focused on my experience. But now that I'm, you know, 10 years removed, I, I can't even imagine what's, what it must have been like uh, for them to have their, their only child um, be receive such a diagnosis. I mean, thankfully, even though I was stage three, I don't think death was ever on the table. It was never a big concern. Um, my dad told me years later that he pulled one of my doctors out into the hall and asked him at one point, you know, point blank, "Is she gonna is she gonna make it?" And he was very confident. His answer back that, "Yes, yeah, she's gonna be okay."
1: Of course, there's never a hundred percent.
2: Never, no. But thankfully, it was uh, it was looking good. Thank- thankfully, I had a very well researched type of lymphoma.
1: And uh, what I mean, this is a pressure. Situation for Mm -hmm. you and your parents. Uh, For you in particular, what did you do to energize yourself uh, during this time?
2: I tried to keep stay as normal as possible, and I think that's that would be my advice to any any patient, any survivor, is to try and maintain as much of a sense of normalcy as you can. Um, You know, unfortunately, I did have to stop going to school, and I had to stop um, doing a lot of the things that I was doing, but. Seeing my friends, you know, going have, going out and seeing them whenever I felt it was up to it and whenever I was allowed to go out, just trying to g- get those little nuggets of normal life and as much as you can.
1: Now you mentioned to me when we first talked that there was a little girl across the hallway from mm-hmm. your room. Mm-hmm. Tell me about her.
2: Yeah, so that's um, that's something that I I, I I talk about her quite often. Um, one thing that people always tell me when they hear about my story is oh my gosh, you know, whatever I'm going through right now is nothing compared to what you went through. And um, I say, you know, that's maybe true, maybe not. Everybody deals with stress in different ways. But uh, the one thing I think of a lot whenever I'm going through a stressful situation or something that's worrying me, you know, 10 years later, I think about this little girl who unfortunately across the hall for me during my very last day in the hospital, uh, right before I was getting ready to get a clean bill of health, passed away. Um, and seeing her family out in the hall, through my window, um, was awful. And um, her doctor was actually a doc- one of the very first doctors that I saw when I went to Cincinnati Children's Hospital. He ended up not being one of my full-time doctors. Um, but he saw that we saw him and we waved him in. And I will never forget seeing the conflict in his eyes in- while he was in my room. He was trying to be so happy and present for me because I was in my last day. Everybody knew that I was going to be good to go after this last day, um, So he was trying to be so happy and so present for me, but I could see the struggle that was going on because that little girl was his patient and he had just lost her. And so I, you know, if there's something going on in my life and I get a little too stressed out about it, I try and think of it could always be so much worse. And at least I'm still here.
1: And uh, how old was this little girl?
2: I don't know for sure, but I believe she was around five.
1: Five years old. Yeah. Hmm. And the Make-A-Wish, uh, you just celebrated your anniversary. Yeah. Tell us about the wish that you had.
2: <laughs> it's a, it's slightly embarrassing, but also I, I'm still very happy with it. Um, I'm a big IndyCar fan. My my dad took me to my first Indy 500 when I think I was 12, maybe, 11 or 12 years old. So I've been going for a long time now. And um, the, I think that season or the season before, the son of Bobby Ray Hall. Uh, Graham Ray Hall started racing, and boy, did I have the hots for him! <laughs> so my my wish was to actually go on a date with him, but because I was under eighteen, I don't think they were going to let that happen. Um, but my wish was to go on a date with him. But I did get to meet him. I met him at their 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 shop was in Columbus, Ohio. So we drove up to Columbus and. Uh, make a wish arranged for me to meet him have lunch get a tour of the shop Uh, they paid for our hotel room we went out to shopping at the the shops in columbus so and i've actually still kind of kept in touch with uh, his assistant over the years and have seen him a couple times and he's he's a really good guy
1: it's a great story this is tom Laurie. you're listening to the mentors radio show today we're talking with cancer survivor megan metcalf and dealing with life's unexpected challenges Tell us a little bit more about Make a Wish. So, for people that may not understand how it works,
2: yeah. So it's um, that's a great question because I actually saw the envelope on um, my parents' desk that we had in the in the dining room. That I saw the envelope with Make a Wish on it, and at the time, I thought it was only for people that who were actually dying. And I was like, why, wait, why am I getting a wish? Um, but thankfully, it's just for anybody who is going through a life-threatening illness. Um, and I was nominated to, to go through a wish. And it's, I mean, the, the things that they do for, for people are absolutely amazing. I mean, they, they granted my wish, uh, my, my backup wish was actually to go on the Ellen DeGeneres show. And I'm actually kind of mad that I didn't go with that one instead. But they make it, they make it happen. Um, and I'm forever thankful for that experience. It was a really, really cool way to kind of finish off treatment and to, to celebrate being done. Um, so I would definitely definitely recommend Make-A-Wish to anybody.
1: So that anybody can contribute to it. I think it's all based on donations.
2: Yeah, and there's actually a woman who I work with who is a volunteer for them too. Um, and so they're, they're always looking for volunteers, I believe, to as wish granters to kind of help organize um, people's wishes and to kind of help facilitate those, those from happening or to happen.
1: Do you remember a few years ago in San Francisco, there was a young boy that wanted to be with um, – Batman. I think.
2: Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> they,
1: they arranged for him to meet Batman in San Francisco. Yes, that, I remember seeing that video. Yeah. Um what um were there any silver linings during the period? I know since then you probably look back, but mm-hmm. during the period, what were the yeah. silver linings? What were mm-hmm. the and what was your real support network? Who was in it?
2: Oh my gosh, everybody. Um in terms of support network, I think it, that's one of the things that I'm still so amazed by is how People that we may not have even talked to that much um, came out and showed support. I I remember a guy that I went to high school with called my parents at at our house one day and asked if he could put on a fundraiser to help cover my medical expenses. I mean, he was a a friend, but I wouldn't call him a super, super close friend. Um, So I still think that that was so amazing that this, you know, the 16-year-old boy, 17-year-old boy um, called my parents personally to ask them if he could do something like this. Uh, Friends, family... So many people came out in support. High school teachers would come to visit me in the hospital. Um, Teachers that I had had in junior high heard about it. I I think it probably word got through the whole town at some point, or at least through the the school district. And people came to visit, and the support network was was really amazing and inspiring.
1: And then when you completed your treatment and you got a clean bill of health, Mm -hmm. how did you resume your high school senior year?
2: Just jumped right back into it.
1: Uh, did you become a cheerleader?
2: I did. I did. They let me. They let me cheer at football games, um, and that was one of the greatest moments of that. Actually, was uh, you know fall football games in, in the Midwest. It's you know a little still pretty hot in in August, and there was one game where it was really really hot, and I was wearing my wig because my hair still hadn't grown back. And I went up to the coaches and I said, "Gosh, I'm I'm dying in this thing. Can can I take my wig off?" And they're like, "Why are you asking us? Of course you can take your wig off." So I took it off. I was very nervous to do it, um, but I took it off, went back to the line. And then next thing I know, the whole students section is chanting, we love Metcalf. And gosh, was, no, <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. that still chokes me up because that's, yeah. you know, kind of going back to support network and how much people rallied behind me. And that was one of the coolest, coolest experiences. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then you, um, you graduated mm-hmm. and when you were looking at colleges, um, how did you make that decision? Now you're, you've gone through this mm-hmm. terrible event. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've resumed your high school career, mm-hmm. resumed life. Mm-hmm. Now you're looking forward to life. How did you make mm-hmm. uh, Ohio University your choice? Miami University. Ohio. Miami oh, University. Oh, our rival. Don't get <laughs> I'm those. I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no. Um, Miami was a, it was a good school. Part of the decision was kind of made for My mom actually worked there, so I got free tuition. So the, the decision was slightly made for me. But I'm, I'm glad that it was because looking back, I don't think I was in a – I was – able to, to go that far from home. Miami was very close to home. My mom worked there. It was 30 minutes from my parents' house. Um, as much as I kind of wish I would have gotten that going away to college experience, I'm forever grateful that I was able to be, I, I wasn't ready for it at the time. I needed to be close to home and have that support network still kind of close to me before I, I jumped in and, and moved so away from Did you home. live on campus? I did. So I kind of got the, the living, bit. yeah, that was my, that was my away. compromise. Yeah, yeah. was to live on campus to kind of get the college experience.
1: Well, and I know Greg Crawford now is the uh, yeah. president of the school. Yep. He came from Notre Dame where he was uh, where he was the uh, dean of the science program there. So
2: Seems like a great we have, guy. Yeah. We <laughs> have
1: a little bit in connection. If you have any questions or feedback, call anytime at 844-810-8255. That is 844-810-TALK. We will be back after a short break. When we come back, Megan and I will be talking about important lessons she learned from her battle with cancer. But first, a big shout out to Eno and his colleagues at Northwestern's Kellogg School of Management. Thanks to all of you for listening.
5: Americans have been traveling down the health insurance highway for decades, but lately it's been taking us to places we don't want to go. For Christians, it's hard to know which road to take. Or is it? Samaritan Ministries provides a different direction, a biblical path for their members to pray for each other and share financially in each other's medical needs.
4: This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the Book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. We, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This is what God intended for the church.
5: Looking for a new direction for your health care? Join the hundreds of thousands of Samaritan Ministries members who are faithfully sharing millions of dollars in medical needs each month. For more information, visit us online at SamaritanMinistries.org. That's SamaritanMinistries.org.
4: Are you struggling with how to practice your faith at work? Get answers to your questions and much more on the Catholic Business Journal focusing on careers and business with a Catholic perspective. That's CatholicBusinessJournal.biz. The Catholic Business Journal, generating a return on principle. CatholicBusinessJournal.biz. CatholicBusinessJournal.biz. Do
6: you want to make a living and live a meaningful life? Is it possible to be financially successful while making a positive difference in the world? Chris Lowney, author of the best-selling business classic, Heroic Leadership, and popular speaker on topics of leadership, corporate ethics, and decision making, shares with you his 10 simple daily habits to building a better life and world and how to implement them in his new book, Make Today Matter. Some of these habits include don't win the race, give away your sneakers, be more grateful, and control the controllables. Make Today Matter is a 2018 Distinguished Favorite Book in the Independent Press Awards and makes the perfect gift for anyone in a time of transition, graduating high school or college, beginning a new job, or entering retirement. No matter where you are in life, it is never too late to Make Today Matter. Available everywhere books are sold.
7: Do you want to make a difference in your life? Can you do it in your current job or do you need a career change? I'm Lucy Claire Curran and I want to be your new career coach. I excel in creating breakthrough aha moments for my clients, but see for yourself. For a limited time, get a full coaching session at no cost. One session free. Go to newcareer.biz. That's newcareer.biz. newcareer.biz. Let's do this.
0: And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business.
1: This is Tom Lurie, and today we're talking with cancer survivor Megan Metcalf, a millennial who is sharing lessons learned about dealing with bad days and good days as she made her journey in life and overcame uh, cancer. If you missed any of this show or any previous episode, you can download our podcast by going to our website, TheMentorsRadio.com. That's TheMentorsRadio.com. Remember to subscribe while you're there so you do not miss any future shows. All of our content is available for free. So now you're at Ohio University, Miami University, I'll get it. (laughs) I know it I know it I know it not, know that, it. not, not I, I grew, the Bobcats <laughs> I grew up I grew up in the Midwest so I know <laughs> Miami University but as you look back on the time you were in high school and going through all of this is there anything that you wished had been done differently
2: you know I was I thought about that a lot and the answer is no actually um I can't think of anything that I wish I would have done differently and you know I think I kind of mentioned previously that I sometimes wish I would have gotten that going away to college experience but I think the way that everything played out, um, and I, I'm very happy with it, I, I think that everything kind of, you can either find reason in everything, or everything happens for a reason, however you choose to look at it, and I'm I'm thankful for the path that was kind of created for me.
1: Did luck play a role in your life?
2: Luck, hard work, you know, I think, what is it, what do they say, success is when luck and hard work meet, and I think that that's definitely true, because I, you know, I, I went through what I went through with lymphoma, went back into high school, jumped in went to college, you know, I'm very proud of the fact that I, I double majored in two majors that aren't even in the same college and did it under four years. I studied abroad. Um, I'm very proud of everything that I've I've done in my in my short time on this earth so far.
1: And for those that may not know it, Miami University is a tough school to get into. So it's yeah. not a it's it's a very important school. And you said you did some work overseas. What what did
2: yeah, I did. Um, I studied abroad in London for, for six weeks in, in college, and it was one of the coolest things. It was actually the year that the Olympics were there. Um, so it was very cool, a very cool time to be there and see how, see the London kind of before everything happened, and then see how um, even more amazing it got when, when everything happened. And I was able to go to one Olympic event. I think it was field hockey. So I've never been to a field hockey, but I've been to Olympic field hockey now.
1: <laughs> and during this uh, period, uh, what was the... When you were dealing with the cancer, (laughs) what was the best advice that you received at that time?
2: Oh, (laughs) what a quote! Finding Nemo, just keep swimming. (laughs) But essentially, the the stay just staying positive and keeping a positive attitude. Um, I firmly believe in the the science and the medicine that that helped make me better. Um, But I also believe that you can really make it even better with a positive attitude. I always tell people that. Yes, I'm a survivor because I'm still living, but I also count people as survivors even if they're no longer with us. I count them as survivors if they, you know, attacked it with a positive attitude and came at it with a positive attitude because I think that that's that's the most important thing is just to try and – Remain positive no matter what life is thrown at you. It's hard, but it's it's good to kind of try and keep that in the back of your mind.
1: I I, I had heard that the term cancer survivor is controversial. Why yeah. is that?
2: I've I've heard some people that don't appreciate it um, because it, they feel that it, it shows disrespect to, to those who are no longer with us. And I don't aggr- I don't agree. I can see why they would think that, but I don't agree. Um, I I respect those who are no longer with us, just as not just as much, if not more, than than myself because they went through something probably even harder than I did. Um, so I ha- I personally have just as much respect for them.
1: That's all relative, though, mm-hmm. about what hard is hard, right?
2: Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly.
1: I think others who are listening, what you went through is very difficult, so it's all relative. Mm-hmm. Now there's a uh, an author, uh, Bonnie Ware. I don't know if you're aware of her. She is uh, from Australia. She was a person who worked with people who were at the end of their life. Mm-hmm. And as you were talking about um, being happy and mm-hmm. being positive, mm-hmm. it's interesting. One, she wrote a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. Mm-hmm. And one of the uh, big regrets that people had who were facing death is, uh, I wish I had let myself be happier. And you to me, was you were talking, you mm-hmm. echo that. You re- you really let yourself be happy and tried to. to be positive, right?
2: Yeah, you have to. I don't think that it, otherwise it's just going to be you're going to make an already miserable situation even worse. Um, I think you things happen to us, yes, um, but you can happen to things.
1: We'll come back to that. This is Tom Laurie, You're listening to The Mentor's Radio Show. Today we are talking with Megan Metcalf and the wisdom she gained about life and career while fighting cancer. So what do you mean by that?
2: Yeah, I just, uh, there's a book that's pretty popular right now by Rachel Hollis called Girl, Wash Your Face, and that's one of the um, things that she says quite a bit, and I and it really resonated with me, is that, yeah, things happen to you in your life, but you are ultimately responsible for your happiness. You are the one who is responsible. Things may happen that you don't plan for. Cancer happened to me. I wasn't planning for that. I don't think anybody's <laughs> planning for that or hoping for that to happen, but I tell people that February 25th, 2008, the day I was diagnosed, is the best day of my life. And I truly, truly mean that. That's not me just trying to sound, you know, more important or anything. I I truly mean that the day that I was diagnosed is the best day of my life because it's given me this life experience that has given me more life experiences. I probably wouldn't be sitting here with you talking if I wasn't a cancer survivor. I wouldn't have met some of the, oh my gosh, I have met some amazing people. I've met a guy who's a survivor who I think has one functioning lung. He's climbed Mount Everest. He was the first cancer survivor to climb Mount Everest. He's done so many amazing things. I've had the chance to speak with him. I've had the chance to meet so many amazing people. And none of that would have happened if I wasn't diagnosed. And that's how I choose to look at it. I know some people may receive a cancer diagnosis and and choose to just get their treatment and be done with it and not think about it ever again. And that's okay. That's their choice. But my choice is to own it. and, And I'm going to happen to cancer. Cancer may have happened to me, but after that diagnosis date... I happened to my cancer,
1: and um, how does that translate to your career now? Yeah, forward.
2: Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I, I went through college, and I wanted to get back to normal life, and I worked in sports for a few years, and that's what I wanted to do, and and I absolutely loved it, and I miss it. But um, last year, I kind of I wanted to take this life experience that that I was given and use it even more so than I have been over the past 10 years to help others. So I started working for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, who is the best nonprofit that is fighting um, blood cancer. Our mission is to to find a cure for blood cancer and to improve the quality of life for, for patients and their families. And it's it's an honor to, to meet so many other survivors and so many other caregivers and friends and family and people that have been affected by, by blood cancer.
1: And there's a revolution underway, uh, which I, in Mm -hmm. the work that I do, I'm very familiar with the revolution that we're moving away from chemotherapy, not immediately, Mm -hmm. but the hope is immunotherapy, which is rather than using a toxic chemical to kill everything, is to use uh, drugs to to, uh, improve the immune system so it can Mm -hmm. uh, clear cancer. Uh, killing clear cancer. And you're right in the middle of that revolution, aren't you? It's
2: amazing to see. I mean, even though I was only treated 10 years ago, the advancements that are happening are really revolutionary and life-changing and really going to make a difference and improve the future quality of life uh, for patients and not have to go through so much toxic, toxic chemo.
1: We're going to come back in a second. We're going to continue with Megan's journey and life after facing cancer.
8: Do you have a message for our listeners? Imagine right now, instead of hearing these words, you could be hearing your message on the Mentors Radio Show. We offer a multimedia package and special benefits available only for our radio partners. We love to customize a package that best suits your needs and goals. See for yourself. Give us a call at 844-610-8255. That's 844-610-TALK. 844-610-8255. Or drop us a note at the MentorsRadio.com to learn more.
5: Americans have been traveling down the health insurance highway for decades. But lately, it's been taking us to places we don't want to go. For Christians, it's hard to know which road to take. Or is it? Samaritan Ministries provides a different direction, a biblical path for their members to pray for each other and share financially in each other's medical needs. This idea
4: that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. We, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This is what God intended for the church. Looking
5: for a new direction for your health care? Join the hundreds of thousands of Samaritan Ministries members who are faithfully sharing millions of dollars in medical needs each month. For more information, visit us online at SamaritanMinistries.org. That's SamaritanMinistries.org
8: you have a message for our listeners imagine right now instead of hearing these words you could be hearing your message on the mentors radio show we offer a multimedia package and special benefits available only for our radio partners we love to customize a package that best suits your needs and goals see for yourself give us a call at 844-610-8255 that's 844-610-talk 844-610-8255 or drop us a note at the mentorsradio.com to learn more
0: And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business.
1: This is Tom Laurie, and today we're talking to Megan Metcalf, a millennial and professional salesperson who is sharing lessons learned about life and career after facing stage three cancer in her junior year in high school. Megan, you told me that the surviving part there's it's a double-edged sword Mm -hmm. could you talk a little bit about that
2: yeah yeah so it's um there's the obvious I'll start with the positive side because I like that better um the positive thing is that it it really does treat you treat you or teach you to appreciate more of the little things in life and to you know to not worry about as many things um but it's hard to remember that sometimes but oftentimes I because I am so I'm 10 years removed from it but it's that's why I like doing things like this. I like to remind myself of what I went through. Um, that way, whenever I'm stressing about having to go to the DMV or, you know, something so trivial and something small in my life, I think about, you know, how precious life is and how, what I went through and that, yeah, I can handle anything. I, I beat cancer. I can, I can handle anything else that life throws at me at this point. Um, so it's, there's the the positive side of it, but it is a double-edged sword and it does actually, at least for me, has caused uh, different types of anxiety in my life um, ten years down the road because um, I always kind of laugh at the the question of you know in interviews when they ask you where are you, where do you see yourself in five years because I don't know you know I, I cancer taught me even to appreciate things but it taught me that things happen to you that you never see coming um, so because of that I still I deal with a little bit of anxiety wondering you know, what's going to happen next in my life? What's going to, what's going to, if, if this happens, what's going to happen with that? So I do actually see a counselor. I've seen a counselor for off and on for 10 years. And it's something that I am proud to, to share with people. And I think that people need to be more open and in sharing things like that. I think if more people had somebody to talk to, the world would be such a better place if we could all just get some, get the, get that extra help and support system that we need.
1: It sounds something like uh, PTSD in a sense, that you had this trauma, so there are other things that could yeah. trigger the stress and the anxiety that you've absolutely went through.
2: Absolutely. And one of the things that I deal with um, that I know a lot of people don't think of is survivor guilt. Um, I had a, a, co- a coworker, a former coworker who I found out a few months ago that lost her battle with colon cancer, and that, that rocked me. Um, actually, and another guy that I used to work with lost his battle with brain cancer um, about a year or two ago. And anytime I hear of a cancer survivor or a cancer, yeah, a cancer survivor, you know, unfortunately passing, it hurts because I, I, I feel, why me? Why am I still here? Um, and that's, that's a hard thing to, to work through. Um, but I'm, I have to be thankful for the fact that I am here and I'm able to share my story and hopefully, you know, inspire other people.
1: And what has that done with regards to your goals in life and your mission in life?
2: Yeah, I always, I've always been kind of the, I always think back to high school when I was kind of always the mama bear of the group. I always liked to take care of people and to make sure everybody was, you know, good to go. Um, And I think because of my experience, that's ramped that up even more. I always want to make sure that I am helping other people because I feel like I've been given this experience. And I want to make sure that anybody who ever goes through a cancer diagnosis, whether it's themselves or somebody they know, I want to make sure they feel well-equipped to handle the situation, and I want to do anything I can to help. So that's why I am fortunate to work for an organization whose mission is helping people, other people who have been diagnosed with blood cancer.
1: I would imagine too, as a sales person, I mean, you sold, uh, did sales work for Fox, mm-hmm. and I believe there was a franchise company that you did work for. I mean, mm-hmm. you were with Fox for three or four years com- mm-hmm. a- in the aggregate. But I ima- at least my view is it's selling is a little bit like helping people too.
2: 100%, yeah. You help people get what they need.
1: Right. That's the key to all of that.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. Today we're talking with cancer survivor Megan Metcalf and dealing with life's unexpected challenges. Um, One of the questions, when somebody has cancer, Mm -hmm. I've heard that we, those that don't, sometimes do some dumb things and say (laughs) some dumb things. Tell us about... Yeah maybe you can give us some advice to all of us yeah. that if we know somebody that's going through this uh, trauma how we should deal with it what we what's the best thing we can do to help them on their journey
2: 100 um yeah i've definitely i'm sure i've heard it i've sure to heard it all over the last 10 years um the one question that i am asked the most or was asked the most that people actually maybe wouldn't think is a bad question to ask because um, i know it's coming from a good place but it's the question of how are you feeling um that question is asked all day by nurses and doctors and people that are, you know, treating you. So being asked it again by friends and family, quite frankly, can just kind of get annoying. Um, and, you know, if I look OK, I'm probably OK. If I look like I'm feeling bad, I'm probably feeling bad. So my my advice would be to try and steer clear of it because it's such a somebody can just answer that question good or bad. My advice is to try and ask more pointed questions or more probing questions. Get them to talk about other things and to just take their mind off of things too. Ask if they have any hot doctors or if if how, how's the food in the cafeteria? Try and just lighten the mood and ask, you know, almost try to forget sometimes too that they have cancer. Ask them what are you watching? What what good shows are you watching these days, you know, because they're probably watching a lot of Netflix if they're if they're going through treatment right now. So Ask questions that maybe take their mind off of it, and not in more leading questions that can get them to engage in a, in a deeper conversation.
8: Mm-hmm.
2: And my other thing would be to don't ask what you can do for them; do it. Um, you know, I know my my parents and myself were probably not the kind of people that if somebody when somebody did say. Let me know if I can do anything to help. Well, it's it's very well-meaning. We're probably not going to actually ask them for help. So my advice would be to, you know, buy gas cards, buy gift cards for food. Do things that are really, truly going to help them and don't just offer. Actually do it.
1: Hmm. That's great. Great advice. Now, what changes have you made in your life along the way?
2: Yeah. um, So thankfully, my risk of getting cancer again is not that high. Um, It's not much higher than anybody else's. But my risks now, um, I had a lot of chemo. (laughs) They sat me down when I hit five years uh, post-treatment and showed me exactly what I had. And I had quite a bit of it. And as we talked about a little bit, you know, previously, it's very toxic. And, um, I tell people that even though I'm 27 on the outside, I'm probably 10 years older than that on the inside. So I have to really take care of my body and work out and eat well um, and try and be mindful of, of what how I'm taking care of myself. Because even though I'm fine right now, 10, 20 years down the road, that may not be the case. And I really have to do all the late effects that they're worried about for me. Can, most of them can be prevented with a healthy lifestyle. So that's a huge thing that's very very important to me to me is taking care of my body at this point.
1: And when you, you know, as you're, you know, you're still early in your career, you've gone through a, mm-hmm. a couple of jobs already. What do you think you bring to the table to any organization? Your oh, gifts and talents.
2: Yeah. Positivity. I know that sounds so cheesy, but I like to think that I'm the I'm that person in the office that even if I'm having a rough day, even if something else is stressing me out in my personal life, that I don't bring that to the office, that I keep that separate. And no matter what I'm going through, I will always treat other people with a positive attitude and ask them how their day is going. Um, I don't think it's just because you're going through a tough time in your life, it doesn't mean you can take it out on other people. Um, That's something that I absolutely can't stand. And so I try to be an embodiment of that myself. And no matter what I'm going through, I always try to bring a good energy and good vibes to the table every day at work.
1: Well, you have a lot of energy in the (laughs) studio Um, and reflection. Well, let's let's uh, go to our last break uh, and then we'll come back to this question. We need to go to the break and we'll continue with Megan's journey in life after uh, facing cancer in a minute.
3: Hey, there's something new for you at the mentorsradio.com website, a new special offers page there. You'll find unique offers available only to our listeners. You. For example, have you ever wondered if a career coach could help you get to the next level? Find out. For a limited time, a superb career coach is offering you a free session. The offers change all the time, so bookmark TheMentorsRadio.com. That's TheMentorsRadio.com. TheMentorsRadio.com. There's a new book out that will open your eyes in ways you never expected. It's called Bully of Asia by Stephen W. Mosier a critically acclaimed author and internationally recognized authority on China. In Bully of Asia, you'll find insightful and timely commentary on the economic and geopolitical rise of the People's Republic of China. You'll learn what China's aspirations for resurgence and hegemony mean for America and the free world. Bully of Asia is a must-read for anyone concerned about China's growing power and influence. And the threat of an increasingly aggressive and militaristic China poses to Western democratic values. To get your copy of Bully of Asia, go to BullyofAsia.com. That's BullyofAsia.com. Find out why China's dream is the new threat to world order. BullyofAsia.com.
7: Do you want to make a difference in your life? Can you do it in your current job? Or do you need a career change? I'm Lucy Claire Curran, and I want to be your new career coach. I excel in creating breakthrough aha moments for my clients, but see for yourself. For a limited time, get a full coaching session at no cost. One session, free. Go to newcareer.biz. That's newcareer.biz. newcareer.biz. Let's do this.
6: Do you want to make a living and live a meaningful life? is it possible to be financially successful while making a positive difference in the world? Chris Lowney, author of the best-selling business classic, Heroic Leadership, and popular speaker on topics of leadership, corporate ethics, and decision-making, shares with you his 10 simple daily habits to building a better life and world and how to implement them in his new book, Make Today Matter. Some of these habits include don't win the race, Give away your sneakers, be more grateful, and control the controllables. Make Today Matter is a 2018 Distinguished Favorite Book in the Independent Press Awards and makes the perfect gift for anyone in a time of transition, graduating high school or college, beginning a new job, or entering retirement. No matter where you are in life, it is never too late to Make Today Matter. Available everywhere books are sold.
0: And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs
1: challenge your thinking
0: about life and business.
1: Welcome back. This is Tom Lauren Today we're talking to cancer survivor Megan Metcalf and her hard-won insights on living life and having a fruitful career. You can like us on Facebook at TheMentorsRadio.com. That's TheMentorsRadio.com. And you can find all of our show notes and links at MentorsRadio.com. So when we were talking last, I, I guess the question is, as you went through all of this, now that you've got this positive, well, po- I suspect you were positive all along. This has made you more positive. Is that a fair assessment?
2: Yeah. And I and I do want to be be upfront and saying, yeah, I, overall, I, I attacked it with a positive attitude. But I don't want people to think that there weren't times that um, it wasn't hard or that I, you know, maybe couldn't see past uh, the struggles in, in the moment. I remember – Gosh, I remember one night when I was admitted into the hospital, I remember just nothing bad had happened really, but I just remember going into the bathroom and just sobbing. It all just kind of hit me. Um, and I remember my, my mom was staying with me that night at the hospital and she came in and hugged me. I think we hugged for like 10, <laughs> ten minutes straight. We just stood there and hugged. And um, so there, you know, I, I want people to know that there definitely are, It's it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to feel stressed out. It's okay to your body's telling you something telling you something. Your mind is telling you something and you have to recognize that and own it and and do something about it.
1: Yeah. Well that was a tough ordeal. And looking back, any dumb things that you did?
2: Oh gosh. Um well <laughs> <laughs> I uh, when I was telling you about the, the last time that I went to the hospital, um, gosh I was I, I kinda I think I got what I wanted most of the time during treatment. I my, after my very last round of chemo, I went, I went to homecoming. And I think going to homecoming in a gym full of sweaty, disgusting teenagers when you just finished your last round of chemotherapy wow. and your immune system is non-existent, probably not the best idea. Um, I was thinking this morning, I don't know if my doctors told me not to do it, but I think even if they did tell me not to do it, I probably <laughs> was going to do it anyway.
1: What um, – I mean, if you had one message – one thought that you'd Mm -hmm. want to share with people who Mm -hmm. may be struggling in their own lives we all have struggles and it's all relative what is that one message that you would have for everybody
2: I don't know if this is always the right way to look at it but kind of going back to the story of the five year old girl I I always kind of tell myself it could always be worse Um, and again that doesn't mean what you're going through is not valid it doesn't mean you know if if something is stressing you out it's stressing you out and that's okay um, but gosh, it could always be so much worse. And I'm, you know, be try and write a list of everything that you're thankful for, write it down. That's one of the biggest advice, uh, best pieces of advice I've gotten over the years from coworkers, from, um, my counselor is to write it down, seeing it in front of you, how many good things are happening in your life. It's, it's hard to see those things sometimes when you're, when you're stressed out about something or something bad's happening in your life. If you write down all the positive things and all the things you have to be thankful for, it helps. It helps.
1: Well, when you think about somebody that may have lost a job, somebody that um, mm-hmm. didn't get the promotion that mm-hmm. they wanted, transferred somewhere they didn't want to be, mm-hmm. you 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 think about that in light of what your experience is, and it's small potatoes. That's I, I know yeah. it's all relative, it but it's yeah. still small potatoes in the scheme of things, isn't yeah. it?
2: Yeah, it can be. It can be. But it's um, – I think everybody – Everybody should be able to, you know, the feel feel what you're feeling, and um, try and try and get that positive attitude back, and you can, you can get back on your feet.
1: Do you believe people can write their own life script?
2: I do. Yeah. You kind of going back to what we were saying about you can happen to life. You can, um, you know, things will happen along the way that you have no control over, and that's just life. That's always going to happen. Um, but it's how you it's how you deal with those things that come your way that define who you are. You know, I'm proud of the fact that I had this horrible life experience that some people would see it as a horrible life experience, but I turned it and flipped it into a
1: positive. And throughout all of this, and you're still got a lot of years ahead of you, but what are the, what is it that you've observed that separates those who are truly happy in life from those that do not?
2: Yeah, I think the people, so my, uh, my side hustle, if you will, I'm not teaching anywhere right now, but I'm a fitness instructor on the side. And I think people who take time for themselves, take care of themselves, If you take care of your your physical health, if you take care of your body, your body will take care of your mind. And I firmly believe that exercise, healthy, healthy eating, things like that, are often the first things to go whenever we get stressed out, and they should be the last things to go. I firmly, firmly believe that if you take care of yourself physically, you don't you don't have to go out and run and do an Ironman every weekend. I'm not I'm not telling you you have to do that, but you you need to take care of yourself and you need to take time for yourself. Thankfully, I'm an only child, so I have no problem taking time for myself. <laughs> but I I wish more people you know parents, uh, people who are maybe managers at work, they're always trying to take care of other people. And look, I love helping other people, but I think taking care of myself at the end of the day is the most important thing.
1: We got about 30 seconds or less. Tell us a little bit about LLS, the yeah. Leukemia and Lymphoma Society.
2: Yep. Yep. So yep. Our, our mission is to to cure blood cancers and to improve the quality of life uh, for people who uh, for patients and their families. And uh, we help. We fund research. Over over a billion dollars has been funded in research since LLS was started. We help patients and their families. My family personally received uh, copay assistance to help with the prescription copays. We help with financial assistance, emotional uh, support. We we do everything to help help those who are going through a blood cancer diagnosis.
1: Well, we're going to have to close on that. Thank you very much for joining us, Megan. Thank you. If you've tuned in late, you can listen to past shows by going to our website, thementorsradio.com. When you're there, subscribe to future shows and listen to the podcast of this show. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week at this time for the next edition of The Mentor's Radio. Until then, this is Tom Laurie. Be all that you can be and keep the candle lit for all who struggle in the darkness.
0: It's been The Mentor's, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business.